Welcome to the Green Valley Church Podcast, based in San Diego, where we are focused by scripture, unheard in relationships, we serve through strengths, and enthusiastically invite. We're so excited you found us. If you want to learn more about us, go to greenvalleychurch.com. Now let's get into today's message. Morning. Great to see you today. Glad. Thank you for worshiping with us uh, this morning. I love it. Some, uh, some faces I haven't seen for a while that are here too. That's great. Welcome to each of you. And anybody who's brand new, we want to we wanna warmly welcome you today as well. So in my notes, I, I was going to say next, you may have heard that it's been 30 years, but uh, you can't miss it, apparently. <laughs> you, you more than heard, apparently. So um, I'm a little overwhelmed, but it has been uh, 30 years uh, since Cindy and I came uh, to be the pastor at Green Valley Church. Who was who here? Anybody here in those days? Anybody here? There are a smattering of individuals. Wow, that's incredible. Incredible. Well, I recently came across a cassette tape from my very first message. <laughs> 30 years ago. Some of you have no idea what a cassette tape is. Um, You've never seen one of these. But anyway, here's a close-up of it um, right here. Uh, Notice the date. It's the last Sunday of February 1994. So 30 years ago this Sunday. Um, I listened to it this week entirely. And it totally explains why so few people are here from those early days. (laughs) Absolutely excruciating for me to listen to it. But here's what um, really caught my attention about it. I, I called my opening series there when we first began. I called it the Jesus you thought you knew. Thought I would be on good, safe ground to start off just really focusing on Jesus and the Gospels. And on that first Sunday, I covered the story of Luke 7, where some Pharisees marveled at Jesus and asked the question, who is this man? And so notice my title, who is this man? Followed by Pastor Doug Kyle. <laughs> Which is pretty much what everyone was wondering that first Sunday at Green Valley Church. Who is this guy? Anyway, well, um, it wasn't intended that way, but it it probably was appropriate uh, title. I wouldn't blame anyone back then if they were wondering about me. Uh, But now in hindsight, the real question should have been, who is this woman? Because after three decades, right below the Lord, so much credit goes to my wife, Cindy, who has been an equal partner. who has been an equal partner and credible support all these years. Uh, and to our team and to uh, uh, our staff and a loving, loving congregation. So this morning, we cover the next installment of our series, Stuff Jesus Never Said. Our world, if you think about it, is filled with cliches. We hear them all the time. Phrases like, the grass is always greener on the other side. You can't judge a book by its cover. Love is blind. Ignorance is bliss. Better safe than sorry. But sometimes you come across an expression and it, you sort of wonder, it sort of sounds like something that Jesus might have said. Expressions like the ones we've looked at in this series, God helps those who help themselves. God won't give you more than you can handle. 
let, let your feelings be your guide, or this is my cross to bear. And they sort of sound biblical, like something Jesus might say. But with each one, a closer look reveals that they're actually not at all what Jesus taught. Today we're looking at the expression, forgive and forget. A lot of people assume that Jesus said that, that the Bible teaches that, forgive and forget. After all, we know that Jesus was big on forgiveness. But did Jesus teach that in addition to being quick to forgive, we should also be quick to forget? Is that a practice we should adopt? Just forgive and forget. Turns out the phrase forgive and forget isn't found anywhere in the Bible. It seems to come from about the 1600s in the story of Don Quixote, where we find this statement, let us forget and forgive injuries. But you'll look in vain to find a place where Jesus said it. Still, you've got to be wondering, since Jesus is so big on forgiveness, is that something that he implied by his teaching? Is that something that we should embrace? Open with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 17. We'll be starting at the beginning of the chapter. Luke 17, verse 1. Hope you have your Bible with you, either on your phone, your tablet, your Bible. Uh, And let's uh, get set up this morning by beginning to think about, first of all, the premise behind the cliche, forgive and forget. I mean, you hear it all the time, just forgive and forget. But what do people mean by that advice? According to them, why should we add forgetting to our forgiving? Well, first of all, they will tell you that Christians are supposed to forgive. Jesus, in the most famous prayer he taught us, the Lord's Prayer, taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. As believers, we know that it would be an utter denial of our faith to be so incredibly forgiven by Jesus and then not in turn forgive others. Doesn't the Bible tell us to forgive others as we have been forgiven? Doesn't Jesus tell a parable about a guy who had been been forgiven a huge debt and then turned around and wasn't able to forgive someone who had a small debt against him? It would be a complete denial of our faith to be so incredibly forgiven by Jesus and then in turn, for us not to forgive others. So, so far we would all agree. Forgiven people are forgiving people. Christians are supposed to forgive. But the next premise of this cliche is this. If we really forgave, we would also forget. Forgiving means that we put it out of our mind. Forget it ever occurred. Treat it like it never happened. And even if we can't completely forget it, at least we act as if it is forgotten. It's gone, removed, forgiven and forgotten. If we really forgave, then we would forget. And this is usually followed by this rationale. After all, that's what God does. For example, in the book of Hebrews, God says this, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And in the book of Psalms, it says this about God's forgiveness. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. God, the great forgiver, we are told, remembers our sins no more. So as the logic goes, if we are to forgive like God, 
Every time we are hurt, we must forgive and forget. After all, that's what God does. And so, if you just simply follow the logic of the cliche, it's an open-shut case. Christians are supposed to forgive. Forgiveness means forgetting. After all, that's what God does, doesn't He? But as much as that is a familiar cliche, today I want to demonstrate that according to Jesus, we should forgive and discern. Forgive and discern. By now, you found Luke 17. Let's see what Jesus has to say on the subject. Luke 17, starting in verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. In other words, our world has a jagged edge to it. It is prone to hurt us. So the first thing we need to to say when it comes to forgiving and discerning is this, being hurt by others is inevitable. The word for stumble here, things that cause people to stumble, the word for stumble is scandalon. It's where we get our English word scandal. And it means to offend or to push someone into sin. It brings home the idea that our world has a jagged edge. And it is inevitable that living in this world, we will hurt and be hurt by one another. I recently came across this church sign. We love hurting people. Uh, I know they meant well, but they might be sending the wrong message. And no judgment, I could have made the same mistake. But it speaks very pertinently to the world we live in. Turns out it is part and parcel of living in this world, getting hurt by others. So Jesus continued in verse 2. He said, it would be better for them, that is for those who hurt, injure, cause others to stumble, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. In other words, God will hold accountable those who hurt others. Being thrown in the middle of the sea would be better than facing the justice of a righteous God. In other words, God will one day judge and remove the perpetrators from those they hurt. Here Jesus calls them little ones. It's a way of highlighting their vulnerability. It could either apply to those who are young in faith or those who are young in general. No matter what, God will hold them accountable. But in the meantime, being hurt by others is inevitable. Part of the world we live in. So does that mean we just get used to it? Does that mean we just forgive and forget in the meantime? Look at verse 3. Jesus says, So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Wait. What do you mean brother or sister? Do believers hurt one another? Followers of Jesus? No. Never. Apparently, even forgiven people are still imperfect and injure one another. We can get hit by friendly fire. 
And Jesus anticipates this. Again, verse 3, So watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Notice Jesus does not say, if your brother or sister sins against you, forget about it. In other words, forgiveness doesn't mean overlooking it. Jesus calls us to be direct, straightforward. To care about a relationship means you can't ignore being hurt. Yes, Jesus calls us to forgive others. We expect that. But he doesn't say that we shouldn't address it. Lewis Smeeds, who is one of my favorite professors in seminary, the author of the book, The Art of Forgiving, says for forgiveness to happen, the wrong party must blame the individual who caused the injury. You only forgive people you hold responsible. If you can't blame someone, you can't forgive them. Forgiveness does not mean overlooking it. In fact, look at what Jesus says next in verse 4. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Back then the rabbis said that they taught that it was considered honorable if you forgave someone three times. But Jesus raises the bar significantly. Not three, but seven. And not three times ever, but seven times in a single day. And here's something I don't want you to miss. To number is to remember. You can't know that they sinned against you a second time unless you remember the first time. You can't know that they sinned against you a seventh time unless you counted the first six. To number is to remember. Jesus assumed that part of forgiving was remembering. Perhaps this will help. Even though Peter denied Jesus three times on the night of his crucifixion, Jesus forgave him. In fact, the the next day, Jesus died on the cross and definitively forgave Peter. But then after the resurrection, Jesus had a private conversation with Peter on the shoreline. We refer to it as Peter's restoration. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Not once, not twice, three times. Why? Because even though he forgave him, Jesus still remembered. And he wanted Peter to know that he knew, that he remembered, and that he could still be restored. Even though he knew. Someone says, what about all those verses about God not remembering our sins? Well, perhaps this will help. The word remember in the Bible means more than just bringing something to mind. It means to act upon, to remember, and then to act upon it. God doesn't forget our sins. God, by very nature, is all-knowing. He he cannot forget. He he, He just doesn't act upon them in judgment because Jesus has paid the price. If God could literally forget, it would undermine the truth of His omniscience. Of course, God remembers our sins, but because of the cross, He doesn't remember them in the sense that He doesn't act upon them. He doesn't hold them against us. 
In the same way, when 1 Corinthians says love keeps no record of wrong, it isn't that God forgets. It's just that the criminal record is removed. It is not counted against us because of Jesus. So back to our passage for today. Jesus told us to recognize when others hurt us and remember how many times it happens. He tells us to pay attention to how they respond, whether they repent or not. We still forgive, but we do so with discernment. And I'm, I'm, uh, I, love, I love it. I love how the, the disciples respond to this riveting declaration by Jesus. In verse 5, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. <laughs> I mean, seven times in a single day? Lord, we need more faith for that. Life would be so much easier if God had designed us so that we could forget it every time someone hurt us. If God had wired us that way, forgiveness would be a lot easier. We would always be forgiving for the first time. Every time. There would be no seven times to forgive. But God has not set us up that way. So good luck forgetting when someone hurts you. We can't realistically obliterate certain things from our memories. We can't selectively delete events from our mind. Especially if it's a deep wound, it's not going to happen. And so the disciples say, understandably, Lord, increase our faith. But here's what I love. We would have expected the disciples to say something like, increase our love or increase our patience, increase our endurance. But the disciples discern that forgiveness comes from faith. That if they're going to forgive that way, they would need a faith strong enough to do it. Believing that what Jesus did on the cross is enough to cover the sins of their, them and everyone else. They needed that kind of faith. Which leads to the next point. Forgiveness is an act of faith. The disciples rightly discern that to forgive others requires faith. To believe that Jesus' cross is enough to not only absolve our own sins, but the sins of others. And that we can take all of our offenses against us there and leave them there. It's not that they deserve to be forgiven any more than we do. But we understand that as we forgive others, we ourselves are liberated from allowing the pain to continue to cripple us. It's a process. It often takes time. We may have to forgive over and over again. You think you've done it, and it creeps back in. It's all a part of the healing process. But it is the path to liberating ourselves. If I can quote Lewis Smedes again, he writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner is you. When we forgive others, we are set free from both the pain and the power of those sins over us. We forgive because it is God's healing agent. His way to make sure the pain of the offense doesn't continue to hurt us over and over again. We forgive because it detoxifies our memory. 
We forgive because it drains the poison from our souls. So the disciples rightly discern that to forgive is an act of faith. But then Jesus' response to the, to the disciples when they ask for more faith is so surprising. Verse 6, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. The disciples wanted Jesus to increase their faith, but do they really need more faith? According to Jesus, they don't. Not at all. Because even the tiniest bit of faith, Jesus says, is enough. Turns out it's not about how much faith we have, but who our faith is in. Jesus affirms that that forgiveness is, is about faith, and then he tells them they have enough. But then I'm struck by what Jesus says next. Look at it one more time. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, apparently there's a mulberry tree right nearby, and he uses this example. You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. What is this connection about being sent to the middle of the sea? Well, remember what Jesus had said about those who hurt others, just a few verses earlier, especially those who those are young or young in faith. It would be better for them to be cast in the middle of the ocean. To, the picture here is that faith sometimes is about removing the sinner from the sinned against, the perpetrator from the one who is hurt. Jesus seems to be saying that the faith required to forgive others sometimes involves determining appropriate separation. Determining appropriate separation. Boundaries, if necessary. From here to the sea, if necessary. Again, it comes down to discernment. Some hurts can be forgiven and life goes on exactly the same. Others, especially repeated injuries, require separation. We set up ways to protect ourselves from being hurt again. Boundaries, if you will. Again, it's not that we don't forgive. Forgiveness is in our best interest. Jesus forgave us. We must forgive others. It's part of the healing process. But there are times when we will need to protect ourselves from being hurt again. We cannot forget. Instead, we must be wise. In the book of Proverbs, we read this. The prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Sometimes we need to set parameters on a relationship to prevent further harm. The faith required to forgive others sometimes involves determining appropriate separation. And Jesus, according to Jesus, is exactly the way we should think about it. Many years ago now, I was, I was driving on the freeway at night, and this guy came up from behind me. He clearly had too much to drink, and he swerved into my vehicle and brushed the side of it. Now, I ended up forgiving him, but I haven't forgotten it. 
And at the time, I didn't overlook it either. It would have been wrong to overlook it. Instead, a few other drivers and I followed him safely from behind, off the freeway, into a restaurant parking lot. We were calm, but we waited for the police to arrive. Again, I forgave him, and it helped that his insurance paid for the damage. But that doesn't mean he wasn't accountable, or that we should forget and let others be hurt again. And to this day, I am still extra cautious when I see someone swerving on the road. For me, this example serves as a helpful way to think about what it means to forgive and discern. Of course, being hurt by others in this world is inevitable. It is just part and parcel of living in this world. Jesus said it would happen. And so we must learn to forgive as an act of faith. But that doesn't mean we overlook it. Instead, we ask the Lord for wise discernment, sometimes even requiring appropriate separation. Forgiveness is Jesus' plan to heal us from the hurt. Discernment is his plan to keep it from happening again. 